Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Today we'll meet Jessica, a 38-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as white, bisexual, monogamous, and married to a man. She grew up in the United States, has one child, and calls her body curvy and plus size. As I've mentioned before, I chose 42 minutes as an approximate goal for the length of each episode because that's the length of a standard TV episode when we're binging, so I'm pretty sure that most of us can sustain that level of interest. One of the marvelous problems I have with so many of these conversations is that there's too much good material for just 42 minutes. That's how and why Patreon extras developed. There were bits of the conversation I didn't want to lose, but I also didn't have time to include them in the main episode. And then there are episodes like today's, where there just isn't a good way to cut it down and still keep the integrity of the story. So today's episode is a little bit longer. Jessica is one of so many women who have been told, you have such a pretty face, if you could only lose 50 pounds. During her teenage years, she allowed that to define her own perception of herself. Then, at the end of high school, she discovered that there were cute clothes that fit her body and she could show off her curves and get attention. There is so much more to this story. And so, I am so pleased to introduce Jessica. I am so pleased to be talking to you. Um, I love it when listeners let me know that they enjoy the show and want to be on it. So thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity to share our stories and to open up about things that are often hidden. You give us a great opportunity to tell our stories. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And it is kind of my great joy in life. So it's a win-win. Right? <laughs> so let's jump in. Um, as I ask everybody at the beginning, what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Um, I've been thinking a lot about this uh, over the past week. And I want to say the first memory I have is being in the bathtub and feeling the water sensation and being like, oh, what's that? And not really knowing what it meant, but just knowing that it felt good. So yeah. I continued with that path. Yeah. Was it something in particular? Was it like, did you get under the faucet? Was Yeah. It I just happened to come underneath the faucet and it just hit the right way. And I was like, oh, 
oh, what is this? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, but I really like it. And I'm going to keep doing this as long as my parents are in, not in the room. So, oh, that's interesting. You knew it was something that you didn't want your parents to know about, even though you didn't know what it was. Right. Like, I don't know why. I just didn't think. I mean, I was probably like four or five when I first felt that. And so it was kind of one of those things where I was old enough to be in the bathtub by myself Mm -hmm. without just like the occasional check-in, but not young enough to where my mom or stepdad were in the bathroom the whole time. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I was told to stop at one point and I just don't remember that. Yeah. Did you come to something that you would now think of as an orgasm? I don't think so. I think it was one of those things where I just didn't know to let it continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's basically what it was, where it was like, oh, this feels good, but I maybe got too intense, and I, so I stopped. Yeah, sure. I also had my first orgasm under a tub faucet, and it was, I was a little bit old. I was a, a bunch older because I was. I was probably 10 or 11. I hadn't started growing pubic hair yet, but I knew that it was coming. Somehow I had gotten that message. And I thought, well, if you shampoo the hair on your head, does that mean that you're supposed to shampoo the hair down there too? And if you are, then maybe I should practice. Like, I have no (laughs) idea why I thought that. I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I like, so I shampooed hair that was not there yet and put myself under the faucet to wash it off. And I was like, oh, well, that's a thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I do want to say that the bath time water faucet thing continued into my probably tween years, I want to say, because I didn't, our bathroom didn't have a shower head. So I would spend hours in the bathtub and my dad and stepmom would be like, what are, can you come out now? And I'm Uh like, oh no, I'm just enjoying my bath. (laughs) So I don't know. But yeah. And and was there a point at which you um, translated that pressure from the water, that stimulation from the water to recognizing you could do the same thing with a hand or with a pillow or, or some other way? Yes. Like I was definitely um, pro hand once I got to those tween years and yeah. I started realizing, oh, I can read stories. I do distinctly remember checking a book out about human sexuality, probably when I was about 10. Oh, wow. Because I was curious. I've always been curious about sex. I've always been curious about human bodies. And so it was one of those things. And I think I might have brought it over to my friend's house. And her mom was like, oh, what are you doing with that book? And she was a family friend. And so I don't know. My mom says she had a conversation with me about if I wanted to know any information to talk to her about it. But I don't remember that conversation at all. (laughs) So maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. So what was the conversation that happened in your home around sex? Did you see your, well, it sounds like you had a step parent and a parent that you were living with. Did you see them being affectionate with each other? Um, I saw, well, my mom had remarried. And then my dad was in a long term relationship. I just call her my stepmom. But okay. um, 
it was loving on my mom's side, but it wasn't, they weren't really like overly affectionate with each other in the house. I knew they had sex, but I didn't ever want to think about it. Um, I always knew where like my stepdad's nudie magazines were. Uh huh. Like I knew where that box was in the closet. So, um, I might have been going in there to check them out while they weren't home and they were at a baseball game with my little brother. You yeah. Know? So, sure. I knew about masturbation and I was really into that when I was in my early teen, tween years. So, um, you said that you were curious about sex. How did you know that sex was a thing to be curious about? Not necess- I don't necessarily think it was about the sex itself. as about feeling good because mm-hmm. I knew from the bathtub. It had to have been like right after learning about like puberty and all that stuff like in school. And they didn't talk much about beyond like girls getting their periods and boys and their voices dropping the only thing i was shown was the the video with um the cast of annie talking about their period oh my gosh how when she got her period she could no longer be annie (gasps) so that was like my sex ed class in elementary school, like teaching us about our periods. I'm so I talk often about how sex ed is not actually about sex. It's period. uh, It's pregnancy prevention and disease prevention. Mm -hmm. And that we get the messages that boys grow up, and they get erections and have ejaculations and girl grows girls grow up and get their period and suffer. But that adds a whole other layer to it of we get our periods and then we can no longer do the fun things at all. Yeah. That's terrible. Isn't that horrible? It's horrible. I mean, maybe I'm misremembering what that video was, but I distinctly remember her talking about not being able to be Annie anymore when she got her period because she wasn't a child. Wow. Because you're a woman once you get your period. Right. So. But even if you are technically misremembering it, that is the impression it left you with. And that's not an impression we would want to give our girls, I wouldn't think. Yeah, it it was bananas. So I was like, really? So I think I might have wanted like more information because it obviously wasn't clear enough for me. Yeah. And so it was like a a book about body anatomy and what happens once you get older. And so obviously there had to be like sexual diagrams in there and all this other stuff. So it wasn't the Kama Sutra, but it was. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember it was like a basic green covered book. And I don't know what happened to the book. At what point did you start wanting to move from masturbation or solo sex to having sexual encounters with other people? Um, I mean, I had, I never really had like boyfriend boyfriends. I had like a few where in school we might like go and kiss a few times and nothing really happened beyond that because I would always stop it. Mm-hmm. Back then, I would consider myself really curvaceous. I was very well-developed in my chest. 
and I had hips and everything, but I wasn't like super skinny mini, mm-hmm. which was not like the rest of my classmates. So I never really had guys clamoring to be with me. So I just kind of like flew under the radar. And then when I was, I want to say a sophomore, I I started hanging out with this one older girl in my class. She called a group of other guys that she knew who came to pick us up. And we lied and we said we were going to see Titanic. That tells you how old we are. (laughs) And so we picked, they picked us up and I kind of knew in my back of my mind, like, this probably isn't the best idea. There was like four guys who were in their 20s and me and this other girl who was older. She was probably like 17, maybe 18. I can't remember, but I was definitely a minor. You were like 15? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we ended up going to one of their houses and one of the guys left because he was engaged and so he left and it was just like three guys and me and her and she went off to the room with the two guys and i was just in the room with one guy i was in the living room and i remember i was on my period and i was like i don't really want to do anything because i'm on my period so we were just making out and then did you find him attractive i found him attractive to an extent, he was mm-hmm. kind of like me and like, you know, there's always like the one person in the group who's kind of the shy person who's yeah. also kind of the dowdy. I don't want to say he was dowdy or that I was dowdy, but <laughs> he was definitely, I could tell he was interested in me, but I didn't know if he was interested in me only because I was the only other person there. Yeah. So then the next thing I know, we're making out and I go to the bathroom and I take out my stuff and I freshen up and then I lose my virginity to this guy on this white carpet floor. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like cream carpet and just like the mortification. The what the heck is happening? Like, I was into it, but also... Now that I'm older and I look back and I say, this guy had to have been at least 23, if not 24. That's really gross. So you went into the bathroom. It sounds like you removed a tampon. Mm -hmm. So you, if we're talking about technical consent, it sounds like you technically consented. Yes, Do you feel like your choice was one that you made or was it something that you allowed yourself to be talked into? I don't know if I felt coerced. Um, I'm sure there had to have been something in the back of my mind thinking, well, my friend is doing this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be construed as a tease or whatever. So I obviously was like into it, maybe, but maybe I wasn't. I don't know. And I I felt like I was in a very bad 
predicament and I wasn't exactly sure how to get myself out of it Mm -hmm. because they drove us there. I didn't even know really where I was. And I knew I just was really far away from my house. Mm. So it was like, had it been like different situation, I could have gotten myself out of there. But that was kind of taken away from me. Yeah. Did you have any pleasure during the interaction? I don't know. Mm. I mean, I kind of felt like, oh, this is it. Yeah. I could do better on my own, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh-huh. oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it must have left a very lasting impression on me because I didn't date anybody. I didn't have any kind of um, physical interactions with anybody for at least a year uh-huh. after that. So it must have made a really big impression on me. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think, it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone. So I'm going to help you discover what's right for you and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling intimate life and together we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. I had always been attracted to females too, but I could never put a finger on why or how, but it wasn't until I got older that I was like, oh, wait, no, I actually do enjoy women. I do. Mm-hmm. I do find myself attracted to women. I do enjoy having sex with women. I've had a handful of girlfriends where it was like kind of one in particular was a substantial like kind of long term thing. But 
since we were both like, I don't know if she would consider herself bi, but when she found a male partner, we ended things. And it was always Uh like, yeah, we were girlfriends, but we were also like open to seeing guys. We weren't exclusive. Mm -hmm. So when she met her now husband, things ended and I was completely fine with that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk, you mentioned that you as a teenager were curvaceous. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your relationship like with your body? I was always told that I have such a pretty face. If only I could lose 50 pounds. I'm so sorry. I was told that by my dad. I was told that by my stepmom. Um, my mom never really said that to me, but it was always, it was always my dad and my stepmom. And I understood where it was coming from, from my dad, because he had been a chubby kid growing up and he lost a bunch of weight when he was in high school and then he became popular. And then, you know, the story is old as time. So he would often try to bribe me with money or new clothes and whatnot. And so I always kind of dressed dowdy. I always wore like bigger pants and bigger sweatshirts and men's clothes. So I wouldn't show off my body. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I actually found like cute clothes that fit my body and made me feel good. Mm -hmm. So then I was able to like have more form fitting clothes and show off my curves more. And I do think that that caused me to get more attention Mm -hmm. from people because they were like, Oh wow, you actually have a body, not just a blob, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And how did your feelings about your body affect the experiences you were having sexually? I feel like for a specific amount of time, I thought that the only thing that I could offer somebody was my body to make them attractive to me. Mm. Like I could use, I obviously was good at what I could do. So I would use my body, like I would use sex as a way to get attention from men. Mm-hmm. Um, that So I knew that guys liked what they saw and what they experienced once we got together. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I, I could use it as a weapon. Mm-hmm. You said that was for a defined period of time. What changed? I met my husband. <laughs> okay. And that used the way I, so I, I dated somebody for a very long time and it was off and on and it was long distance and sometimes it would be short distance and we'd always come together and go apart and it was never, it was not a good relationship. Mm-hmm. He was a terrible person and he treated mm-hmm. le- treated me like garbage. But because we had such an intense sexual connection, I overlooked so much 
so much shit. Like, Mm -hmm. and I would be like, oh, but we have such a connection. (laughs) And the sex was good, but the way he treated me didn't correlate. So I just stopped. Like I broke off all contact with this person and I just deleted everything and like walked away. And it was almost like a giant cleanse. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm stopping. I'm going to stop dating men who treat me this way. And then I met my husband like days later. Oh, wow. And how old were you? It was about 10 years ago, like Mm -hmm. almost 10 years to the date. So I was like 28 Mm -hmm. when I met my husband. And so what made your husband different? He was kind and he was, I don't know, there was just something about him that gave me this like calmness and this feeling like I don't have to prove anything to this person. He's going to like me regardless. Mm. I was able to let down my guard with him. I was able to tell him things that I wouldn't tell other people the stuff that had happened before in my past. Like I didn't tell him everything, but I was able to be open and honest with him without feeling like completely judged. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like I just, when I met him, I was like, oh, this is my person. Yeah. So I want to get back to your husband, but first I want to ask you, what were the things that you thought you would be judged for? Just how promiscuous I was in my 20s. I slept with a lot of men <laughs> in that time between between my high school boyfriend and then up until meeting my husband. Like I said, we were this, my ex, we were on and off so long and we were also like across the country from each other. So even though I was monogamous while we were together, he wasn't. And I didn't find that out until like pretty recently, actually. Mm. Um, When I wasn't with him, I would just like sleep with anybody. Mm -hmm. Like I would just, I liked the hunt and I liked the feeling of power it gave me. And I don't know if it's because I felt so powerless when I lost my virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was kind of like trying to take that power back. Mm-hmm. And so I felt a th- I had a thrill of finding a new guy and breaking him down and getting him to fuck me. And, you know, like that, that was fun to me. And did those develop into relationships or were they primarily one night stands? Um, or short-term things? A lot of them were short-term. I did have, I had a longer term. He liked to think of me as his girlfriend, but I didn't think of him as my boyfriend. So that went on for about a year and a half. But they were, a lot of them were just like one night stands or two night stands. Um, and how did you feel about yourself during that time? Like there's the power of actually having the conquest, but that's a, that's a limited time feeling because then you need to go out and get it again. So what were your internal feelings at the time? Uh, exactly. Like 
I got the thrill of the chase and I got the like, yay, I can do this. But then in the end, I was, oh, but I'm still alone because they would always find another girl to be their girlfriend. I was always like the lay, but never the girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I it made me very lonely because I didn't get a chance to actually have a boyfriend or when I did, they treated me like garbage. Mm-hmm. So I obviously was like seeking something, but only getting the physical without the emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And what was your relationship like with your body during this time? I felt really sexy mm-hmm. because I was actually taking power. I knew I could use my body to do some really great things that felt really good. Uh So it felt powerful and I felt good with, I felt good in my body. I would always show off my boobs. I would always, you know what I mean? Like it, and it got attention and Mm -hmm. I liked it because it was like, well, yeah, I like them. Do you like them? Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. It was always fun. And were you having pleasure during these encounters? Most of the time, yes. Um, There was only a handful of times where I was like, oh, why did I? This was a disappointment. Like, Mm -hmm. why did I choose you? (laughs) You know, like you talked a really big game. Mm -hmm. And and there were some times where I was like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best decision. Um, I had a bad habit of dating and sleeping with people I worked with, Uh which was not very smart. So... If I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't make those decisions. Uh Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex, I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. 
You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. What about consent? Were you having consensual experiences or were there problematic experiences? There, most of the time it was consensual. Um, I did date somebody who I had been seeing for a long period of time. I want to say about six months. We were friends with benefits. And so it was also a dom-sub relationship, Mm -hmm. which made it even more precarious because we also worked together. Well, that's a lot. (laughs) So, yes. And I assume that you were the sub in this. Yes. Uh Yes. Um, And so... (sighs) He went away for like about a month without like very little contact. Like he just ghosted me and it pissed me off to no extent. And so I was like, okay, well, if you're going to go do this, I'm going to go sleep with somebody else. And I did. And it was somebody who I also work with, who I knew had a big mouth. Like I, like... It was not the smartest idea. Anyway, he found out about it and then he wanted to teach me a lesson. And that lesson turned into him sodomizing me while I was tied up without my consent. I'm sorry. And the worst part was because we had been in this dumb sub relationship. Mm -hmm. I thought that him humiliating me and him treating me like this was part of the dom sub relationship. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. And it took my very good friend to tell me, no, baby, no, he assaulted you. This was not consensual. And it was there was nothing I could do. Well, there were something I could do. But by the time I realized what it was, it had already been 72 hours. Mm-hmm. I had already taken multiple showers. I couldn't go and get a sex. I couldn't get a rape kit. Mm-hmm. I also once again worked with this person. Mm-hmm. I also knew it would be a he said, she said thing. I also knew that all of our business would be out at work and so I didn't say anything and I didn't do anything and I would have to see him Uh, we didn't work in the same department but we would work on uh, we would run into each other and he would act like everything was completely fine and I would just have to like act like everything was fine but really I would be anxious and I would have tremors and I would just 
stare off into space. Mm -hmm. The job I worked at, I had to be very aware of my surroundings and I had to have like, it was a very stressful job to begin with. So to have this added layer of my former partner and abuser there made it very hard. Yeah. So eventually he left, which was really great. I just want to stop here for a Mm -hmm. moment and give a public service announcement. (laughs) Um, Because I think that there are a lot of people who confuse BDSM uh, or dom-sub relationships with abuse. And the two are not, they're not completely interchangeable. A BDSM or a dom-sub relationship is predicated and built on consent. What you experienced was completely non-consensual. He went outside the bounds of, it sounds like, what the two of you had negotiated, what you had consented to. And that is, you already know this, but I want to say this for other people to hear, that is assault. That is not a proper dom-sub relationship. Um, when you read things like Fifty Shades of Grey, where the dom says things like, well, if you say no, then you we will never play again. Like, that's it. I'm out. That is an abusive, shitty dom. That is not what a real proper dom-sub relationship looks like. You always have the opportunity to say your safe word and have it stop. You always can expect or should expect that any negotiations that you've had will be respected. And you should never be put in a position as a sub where you are moving outside of negotiated play within the context of a scene with no conversation about it beforehand. That is just absolutely not okay. So I'm really sorry you went through that. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's been many years, but Mm -hmm. obviously I'm still like, I don't talk about it a lot, but it's there. Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked through it a bit in therapy, but I'm sure I could probably stand to go back and work (laughs) on it a little bit more. But I do want to say that Fifty Shades of Grey is a complete garbage book. And I detest it with every ounce of my being. Yeah. So was that your first experience with Dom Sub? Or is that a regular part of your sex life? Um, I mean, like I had like, participated in a little bit of like spanking or some tying up. But it wasn't like, huge. I knew I liked it Mm -hmm. from like the one or two times I had played before, which is why I opened up to it with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy it, but I oftentimes feel a little bit triggered. So I have to really okay. trust the person I'm with in order to like do anything more with that. Sure. And so is that a part of your current relationship with your husband? Oh, God, no. <laughs> My husband's very <laughs> docile. And he's, uh, he tries, but he's not very dominant. Um, okay. which is okay. Do you miss it? Um, sometimes like we talk about it and like we fantasize about it, but he might spank, but 
it's never gone further than that. Like, sure. I think I've tied him up more than he's tied me up. So, <laughs> which is also okay. But he's, he didn't have a very open conversation about sex with his parents. And they didn't really talk to him much about it. And I'm only the second person that he's ever been with sexually. So he's great with my body because I kind of just like told him every Yeah, every you way. got to taught him, teach yeah, him. I got to teach him. So like I looked at it as like, a, oh, all of the sex that I had in my 20s made me a really good professor for teaching <laughs> him how I like sex, which is great. But I do think that sometimes especially with a, a small child, things get a little put on the back burner. Sure. So what is your sex life like now? Right now we're in that, oh, we have to hurry up. We only have so much time. Let's just, we both need release. Let's go. Mm -hmm. um, we will go to like a hotel and like check into a hotel and spend the night together. And it might not necessarily be like PIV, Mm -hmm. um, intercourse, but we do have like intimacy and we do make sure that each other feels wanted. But I think right now we're in that doldrum of having a small child stuff. And I, I would like to expand and branch out and break out of our monotonous sexual relationship. Yeah. To be quite honest. And how old is your child? He is five. And so it's not that you, your libido is low. It's that your, sounds like your time and your opportunity is low. Yes. Our time and our, <laughs> and our opportunity is low. Also, I have a parent living with us. Oh. So we're definitely in that sandwich generation mm -hmm. and having a parent and then also a small child in your house. That's a lot. It's a lot. And it yeah. also makes for like really inopportune times to do yeah. things and to be intimate with your partner. So how often do you and your husband get to have some type of alone type intimacy? Uh, about, once a week, once every couple weeks, it depends. Like it really depends on, is my mom going to bed at a normal time? Is my son not waking up in the middle of the night? Um, so when we can get to it, we'll get to it. But there have been times where we've gone like a couple months in between having sex because between me getting my period or I also lost a parent. So I've been dealing with grief with that. Mm. Last year was like a very dry year yeah. because I was dealing with my grief and I just didn't want to be touched. And I just sexually, I wanted to be touched, but I didn't want to have anything to do with sex yeah. um, because I just couldn't handle it emotionally until I got so frustrated that I just needed the release. And was your husband understanding of all of that? He was. He um, he understood. I knew it sucked for him. Yeah. Like I would try to like, I would try to be intimate in other ways. You know, like I would give him a hand job or I'd give him a blow job, but like I just didn't want, 
any touching from me. So um, it was really hard last year, but this year we've gotten back in the swing of things and I still would like to get more in there, more time, more alone time. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. What do you consider to be the kinkiest thing you enjoy? I really enjoy pegging. I'm not going to lie. Like I enjoyed that act. Like I enjoyed that time I spent doing that. Mm -hmm. But that is over now. So for people who aren't familiar with the term, what do you mean by pegging? Um, It's when you, I don't know, how do you put that? So it's generally uh, when a man wants to receive anal play. And in your case, a woman would probably put on a strap on um, and... Yeah. And simu- not simulate would actually do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. So, yeah, that was actually very um enjoyable. Is there something you fantasize about but have never asked for in real life? Probably cuckolding. Oh, okay. So again, for people who aren't familiar, what does that mean? It means that there is generally a person who is having sex with somebody's partner knowingly or sometimes unknowingly where they like walk in. Um, But also more than that, it's also the humiliation part of it for the Mm -hmm. male partner. So you'd be interested in uh, doing the cuckolding rather than being the cuckold, meaning that you would be having sex with another person and he would walk in. Or watch. Yes. What about that turns you on? Probably that power dynamic again. Uh And like I said, the humiliation part. I don't think I'd ever act on it because I know that's not something that my partner would like. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely like one of my big fantasies. Hmm. That's interesting. I... I have discovered that I am very open to the idea of watching my partner engage with another person, but I don't think that I feel super comfortable with the idea of him watching me with another person. Potentially him watching me with another female might be okay, right. but him watching me with another male, I I don't think either of us would be into that. Yeah. Like I said, on paper, it sounds yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> but in, uh, um, I know for a fact I would not want to be the cuckold because uh-huh. I am insanely jealous and I don't like to share. So, um, but in fantasy land, all things go. Yeah. And as I often say, it is perfectly okay to have fantasies that are not meant to be lived out in real life. Exactly. That is really, really common. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. This has been really delightful. I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoyed talking to you too, Leah. Thank you so much for having me on. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free 
at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.